minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Dr. Greg Wells, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Anthony, thanks for having me on the show, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> so for the listeners who aren't familiar with you, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? Uh, sure. Exercise physiologist, uh, competitive swimmer growing up, uh, you know, reasonably good. Most of my friends made the Olympics. I didn't. Uh, very fortunate that I got to go commentate a few Olympic games, though. So I was sort of like on that sort of threshold of anyway, not good enough to win anything, but good enough to maybe go and talk about it. Uh, and that just sort of led to a very cool life of, you know, being a professor at a university, doing research at hospitals, uh, working with elite athletes and uh, just, you know, I've had a blast as a physiologist, just love exploring what the human body is capable of. And you've been on some pretty wild adventures and extreme endurance races. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So after I was done swimming, that sort of sparked like this interest in doing other stuff. Uh, so it was sort of cycling a lot in and around 2000 with my friends, you know, trying to get back into shape after a few years of not swimming. And then I was driving home from work one day. My dad called me. He's like, you got to check out this interview on the radio. So I threw it on and it was a guy from the city where I live, Toronto, uh, and he was going to go ride his bike from Cairo to Cape Town, South Africa, 8,000 K, 11,000, sorry, 11,000 K, 8,000 miles. And so I immediately called him, found out where his office was, went down to see him. And I figured that I had about 10,000 left in my uh, student line of credit for my PhD that I was finishing up. So I actually um, finished my doctorate, got on a plane, flew to Africa and rode uh, that, that, that ride, uh, which is in a Guinness book of world records for the fastest human powered crossing of Africa. I didn't get in cause I got hit by a cow, cow in Malawi, but that's another story. Hit by a cow. <laughs> <laughs> Cows can run fast, man. Like you didn't no idea when you're on this, when you're just like riding by them and all of a sudden one of them gets flustered and takes out a whole ton of cyclists. That's uh, you never would have thunk it, but anyway, there you go. And then that sparked a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Beautiful. And then um, take us to where, where we're at today with uh, your practice and uh, your, you know, you have a new book out, Rest, Refocus, Recharge. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, still, still practicing um, in the hospital? Yeah. So I am a uh, scientist. So I have a, a doctorate in physiology and where that ironically sort of led me, even though I was working, I was mostly an exercise physiologist, even all the way through grad school. Uh, when I graduated from my PhD, of course, you can't get a job. No one, once you have a doctorate, no one will hire you. So um, I ended up with a random conversation with someone uh, around the university. And they're like, you should go talk to Dr. Ellen Coates at SickKids Hospital in Toronto. And he was trying to establish an exercise medicine lab. And so I went and spoke to him and he immediately hired me. And we, we built up the exercise medicine program at SickKids in Toronto. So we do we use exercise to diagnose, uh, prevent, and treat chronic illnesses in kids. Mostly we've done cystic fibrosis, but a lot of leukemia some cancer research. We've got some really cool um, private donors that gave us money to buy uh, these really neat things that we can uh, put strap, basically attach the MRI. So we put people into the mag magnet. Uh, we have a bike that goes into the magnet. So people can exercise inside the MRI and we look at their heart, their brain, their lungs, their muscles. And so we've got a really cool research practice that we're still running at sick kids. That sort of keeps my brain going. And then on the side, I love to take that knowledge and translate it. So I've been writing some books uh, so my first book was super bodies, which was basically everything I knew about sports. And that was like all the stuff from the Olympics and what it takes to perform at a world-class level. 
but that was a, it was pretty complicated. And I think a lot of people sort of thought it was a textbook. So my next book was just general health and that was the ripple effect. And then that when we explored sleep, nutrition, exercise, and mindset, that one exploded sort of globally. Um, but it was still, you know, people struggled with it. Like, how do I actually implement this in my busy life? They're like, I know exercise is good for me, but I don't have time. And so then that led to the ripple, the, the latest book, which is rest for focus recharge. And that's just like micro things that you can do in your life to recover and regenerate still sort of based on sports, right? Cause we know as athletes, you need to recover. Like if you do a hard strength workout, you need protein synthesis. If you do cardio workout, you need to relax your sympathetic nervous system calms down, but that hasn't really gone out into the general public around, you know, how does everybody recover and regenerate? So you can just do your job better. You can just function better as a parent. So that's what the latest book is all about, but it's still pretty based on everything's always into, you know, founded on science and physiology and how we can actually use like evidence-based information to make our lives better. Beautiful. Well, let, I, what I'd love to do is um, unpack some of the stuff in super bodies that may have been a little bit text heavy, um, yep. but is still like really valuable and, and things that, you know, you'd like our listeners to kind of be able to apply in their life. And then we'll transition to rest, refocus, recharge, and uh, the recovery side of things. How's that sound? Yeah, let's do it for sure. Sounds fun. Okay. So um, tell us a little bit about in your book, super bodies, what were some of the things that you observed in elite athletes that can be applied to like everyday men and women looking to get the edge in their life? Got it. So yeah, super bodies was really all about just deconstructing elite performance. And, you know, one of the things that's probably the most interesting about high performance sports that people don't often know about is that in the three weeks before the Olympics, you do something called tapering. I'm sure your biohackers probably know this, but just, you know, the, the general population is not aware that, you know, in the three weeks before the games, no one's training, like they're sleeping, they're resting, they're getting massages. Everyone probably thinks that's like the time you're working the hardest. It's actually the time when you're working the least. Uh, actually a friend of mine who is the captain of the Canadian swim team at a couple of Olympics, actually, um, he would refuse to walk up and down stairs. So he's a not, he's an engineer in, in, in around Stanford now, but um, Eddie Parenti. So like, it's a time when you totally rest and it's when you rest that your body heals, your nervous system supercharges itself. You've got these little blood um, cells called eosinophils that go through the entire body and clean out inflammation. And what we actually found was that the athletes with the lowest stress level. So those with the lowest cortisol levels, the stress hormone cortisol were the ones who went to the Olympics and actually improved. So it was who could stay calm, who could stay chilled out, who could stay focused, who could not get distracted by the crowds, um, you know, who could sleep instead of going to a uh, press event or, you know, who could tell the sponsors, you know what, no, I can't make it. I got to go get a massage. You know, when everyone's clawing at you for that time right around the Olympics, mm -hmm. it was those people that could rec um, rested the most who are able to actually go to the games and do a lifetime best time, which is actually really low. Like apparently only about 20% of athletes who go to the Olympics go a lifetime best time at the games themselves. So that's probably the biggest uh, learning. And that's actually true for all of us. Let's say you've got a big presentation. Should you be pulling an all night of the night before, you know, fixing up your slides? No, you know what? They are what they are. The more rested you are, the better you're going to present. Um, even before this show, I actually just took a 20 minute nap jumped into, you know, a crazy hot bath to wake up, super cold shower, drank up some water right before, like I just did a little hour of recovery right before um, we did this. Cause I was filming some stuff this morning. Just you're always trying to supercharge your abilities and rest up before important things you've got to do during the day. And that could be stuff like even just having dinner with your family, like go for a quick walk before dinner with your family to 
just create a break between the day, which is especially true even now in this COVID era when, you know, the blurred the lines are blurred and maybe you're working from home where you weren't before and it's all home and work are all mixed together. You know, separating those things out can make a huge difference for you and really give you a chance to do your best at the things you care about the most. Yeah, those are great points. And something that you were, I've observed many times with athletes and people like as they reach a level of stardom, there's more and more demands, especially demands that are outside of like their zone of genius. And it's mm -hmm. um, trying to do all of it seems to be on a long enough timeline, a recipe for disaster. And, and you're saying like really being able to draw a line in the sand and like and, and say, look, this is not what got me here. Um, I need to I need to really prioritize rest, training, uh, mindfulness practices, breath work, recovery, those sorts of things, rather than giving everybody that wants that energy, uh, my time and energy. A hundred percent. And that's a really interesting observation, right? And often it's interesting that what gets you to a certain place may not be what serves you at the new level that you're at. So one of the things I did a lot of work with, um, professional golfers over the years. And one of the things I've noticed is that the higher they get up in the world rankings, the fewer events they play. So they're mm. taking the time. They don't need to play every tournament anymore. If you've got the masters, for example, you know, you might do a little warm up tournament the weekend before, but it's literally just, you're like practicing during the tournament where I think when you're younger, you think every tournament's the end of the world where you realize that actually this is one where you can just go and work on putting and try new things. And then at the big ones, the nationals or whatever, then you're trying to actually perform it at a higher level. And the, as you get better, however, the demands upon you increase that are outside. So you've got to really be careful because the danger is you continue to always, you know, do things the way you've always done them against a background of the more successful that you are, the more demands come upon you from outside. So managing those external demands, getting laser focused on what you need to do in order to be successful. And, and like, I love that term. It was like that circle of genius, that zone of genius is something that you've got to protect. And if like a simple way of describing that is literally like, I think to some extent, um, a lot of people that think that success determines your lifestyle, like you get successful, then all of a sudden you're able to live this great lifestyle. But in fact, I think that the true success comes from people that, that manage that lifestyle, right? So you have the lifestyle that yields success, not the other way around, which is a misconception, I think. Um, so I love that term zone of genius. I'm going to write that one down and, and leverage that a lot because that's where you need to spend as much time as you possibly can. How, how do athletes, like when you're at an elite level, one of the things that, uh, and I, I never really played at an elite level. I can't say that, but, um, the more serious I got about soccer as I gradually like stopped playing other sports and focusing exclusively on soccer, at least in, um, you know, for myself, I started taking it more and more serious and almost because of that like lost some of the fun in, in, in the sport, you know, which is like what brings you in, in the first place. Um, what have you seen and, and in yourself and in other high level athletes that are able to maintain like that childlike excitement and, and play in their discipline that seems to be so important in, um, you know, in, in, in like not just enjoying the journey, but also like, keeping your brain active and, and your, you know, that neuroplasticity. Yeah. Really interesting. And you know what um, you say, like you didn't get to an elite level in soccer, but like your elite podcasting right now, right. It doesn't matter what it is. We're always sort of our entire life trying to get better and reach our potential. And I don't care what level you get to, like we're all capable of different things in different aspects of our life. We're just seeking to get better. That's the, that's the magic. 
And you're right. Like when you're young, you typically start doing a sport because you love it. And it's so much fun. Then you start practicing, right. And you get better and it's even more fun. Then all of a sudden you start getting really good. And you think, maybe think about a scholarship, then the pressure comes on and then you're practicing more and someone's putting pressure on you to do drills. You don't necessarily want to do. And then slowly over time, you lose your love for the sport and it becomes more of a job than anything. Right. And I certainly can identify that. I hated my last couple of years of swimming. I should have quit swimming long before I actually did. Um, and I've been interested by that. Like it took me probably six, seven years to love swimming again. I remember one day I dove into the water like eight years after I quit swimming. I was like, Oh, I actually just love to swim. I totally forgot about that. Right. And, um, Michael Phelps, who's a, you know, reasonably good uh, athlete in 2014, you know, after the London Olympics and remember he won eight gold medals in Beijing in 2008, London, he went and crushed it, won a whole bunch more, but in 2014 was really struggling. He'd been, uh, busted a couple times for driving under the influence. He'd been photographed smoking out of a bong. He was, um, depressed. He was, had anxiety. He was actually, uh, um, abusing drugs and alcohol, checked himself into rehab. And when he was in rehab, he, his, his, best friend who he was on the phone with one day actually challenged him. And he said, Michael, is this the best you got? Is this all you got? This is the best that you can do. And Michael realized it wasn't anywhere close because he totally lost his love for the sport. And he was doing it for the money, the medals, the sponsorships, like the work. And so he said that day he went out and actually jumped into the pool at the rehab facility, which was like, you know, 10 yards long um, and started going back and forth. And like, you can't wear a speedo here. You had to go back, put on some board shorts or something like that. So like, and that was when he rediscovered the love of training. And when he was in uh, Rio in 2016, he was so happy. Like you look at him on the, on the uh, podium, he's smiling at everybody at the end of his races, he was actually high-fiving people and hugging them, right? All the, and he was a completely different athlete in 2016 than he was in 2012 because he was happy. And in, interestingly enough, it's not just, you know, swimming. It's not just sports that this applies to. Uh, a few years ago, I was speaking at a conference in Zurich, and I had a chance to share the stage with um, Steve Wozniak from Apple, who co-founded Apple with Steve Jobs. So, um and I got a chance to spend some time with him in the green room, you know, behind us. I, I was like, thank you, Steve, for your thoughts on creativity, super interested and in, in all everything you had to say. And, you know, all he wanted to talk about was having fun. Like he was like, yeah, I know. I love creativity. I just love learning new languages so I can tell jokes in a different language. It's really funny. Right. And he's like, I just love doing these engineering projects with kids. He actually like walks into schools and helps them with their engineering projects. He's funded, a, fund, founded a school near him. Uh, where he lives and he just loves having fun. And that's, I think to some extent why, you know, um, he's had such an amazing life and he continues to have such an amazing life. So I do believe that that, that piece of fun is massive. I think that, um, finding fun in everything that you do is so critical. Sorry, there's construction near me. Is that, that beeping in the background? It's just a construction site near my house. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that, that seeking of fun, uh, enjoying the moment, loving what you do, crafting your passions. I don't know if you, you know, find your passion. I think that you craft and develop your passions um, and just spend time, you know, on the things that you love. And that's what creates those peak experiences that make life worth living. What's up, guys? Anthony here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted and all-day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. 
Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities, and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, Candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program's full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community, and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together. I've heard that from a number of people, like their selection criteria for whether they take on projects has nothing to do with the monetary side. It's a, it's a consideration, but more so they're, they're asking themselves, like, does this sound fun? And then um, it also seems like what we need to leave space for is like exploration, like a willingness to try new things and, and sort of feel out like, is this, is this something that not necessarily I want to do forever, but something that could provide me some, some pleasure and excitement and, uh, you know, opportunity for growth based on where I'm at right now. And like, it's, it's very easy to just get into the rut of doing the same things over and over again, or like, or focusing on like those external metrics like money and, Mm. uh, it can quickly lead to, to burnout. Yeah. Burnout and unhappiness. Like you and I both know a lot of very wealthy people that are pretty miserable. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I also know wealthy people that are happy and there's a clear difference, uh, and, and, you know, across the spectrum of, of earning. But I think that your point about, um, curiosity is really interesting, right. And leaving space. And in today's world, I think it's really easy for us to just be busy. And I'm guilty of that. You know, there's tons mm-hmm. of stuff coming at me. Um, I've tried to implement something I learned on Tim Ferriss's show. And I can't remember who the guest was, but it was basically like, if you want to do the project, it's gotta be a fuck. Yeah right? Like, fuck, yes, I want to do this. Pardon my French, but like, 
um, that's the level of intensity you've got to have for something if you're going to do it. Another way to evaluate whether you're going to do something is to score it from one to 10, um, but you're not allowed to choose seven, right? So it's either got to be like a six or under or an eight, nine or 10. And that's pretty clear quickly what you're going to do versus what you're not going to do. And that gets you, um, but in order to do that, like in order to have time for the F, yeah, or the eight, nine, tens, you know, projects, you've got to leave space. And that's the hard thing, right? That's where you're just like, you know what? I'm not going to do that project. I'm not going to be busy right now. I'm not going to pick up this new um, course or whatever it is that you're doing. Leaving space is really, really hard because it feels like we're not being productive or we're not being, you know, we're, we're procrastinating or something like that. And it's so interesting that when you do leave space, when you do say no, which again, I'm not great at working at this as much as I can, um, then all of a sudden, really interesting opportunities pop up. And, uh, and then you can start to do some really interesting things with your life. And as long as you're in your unique ability, which is something I learned from Dan Sullivan, a strategic coach, like with the things that you're good at and great at that give you energy, you know, then I think the monetary returns are going to come. Like when you're good at something and you do it and you, and you love it and you're passionate and it helps and serves others, then I think that you're going to be successful. And if you're successful, you're going to get compensated for it. So um, that give yourself permission to leave space in your life to do the interesting projects that make you go, you know, fuck yeah, I think is going to be a very cool thing for, for everybody. And again, sorry for the swearing, but I just wanted to really lean into that thought that you had because it's a really good point. It's all, it's all good. You know, I had a little bit of uh, an experience along this same vein uh, about a week and a half ago. I was just feeling a little bit like I was in a rut and um, needed to shake it up. So jumped in the car, headed down to North Carolina and um, just grabbed a, a primitive campsite right on the Nantahala River. And like the only plans were uh, some campfires cold plunges and, uh, less time on the device. You know, if I was going to be taking notes, I was doing it by hand or using a voice recorder. And, um, it, it was amazing how once, once I created that space and even allowed myself to get bored, it was after that point of boredom that like the ideas started to come. Exactly. And, and it's so easy if, 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 if we don't make that set that intention, at least for me, like if I don't set that intention, you can very easily spend all day cycling between like your email, social media appointments that you set and, um, and never really create the space to like get new ideas or to consider new possibilities. And like so many people right now are at a place in their life where, uh, a, a, an opportunity to pivot or a new beginning is right there on their doorstep. And, you know, there's, there's probably a little bit of fear and excitement, like, um, I think both of us have experienced that a bit. You know, we had events were a huge, huge part of, uh, of our business and I'm hoping they come back, but, you know, also looking at like, what if they don't, and I know you, you did a ton of uh, public speaking, maybe you could speak to your experience with how you've been able to pivot and adapt and, and speak to some of the things that other people may be able to apply in their own life based on where we're at right now. Yeah. I mean, COVID, um, disrupted the economy a little bit. So <laughs> it is a, um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I do some of my time doing research at, at the hospital. So I have a set chunk of income, which is fine and safe and it's, it's cool. Um, but the, I, you know, it's, that's a minor piece of the puzzle. Cause I sort of limited it to one day, one day a week. 
deliberately so I could go do things like public speaking and write books. And, you know, I, obviously no one's doing any public speaking anytime soon. We're not doing large conferences. Um, and, you know, as I joked, when we got on the phone, um, you know, my latest book launched the day that every bookstore in the entire planet basically closed their doors. So that forced and forced me to pivot towards um, basically creating digital ways of communicating with people. And so that's, you know, digital keynotes. That's the new app that we've launched. Um, that's online courses based on the books. Like we've just gone completely digital and I'm loving it because it's given me the freedom to move. And you mentioned North Carolina and possibly spending more time there. Like we're considering as a family going to the mountains out West and spending more time out there. But the key thing that I think that I want everyone to lean into is when you came up with these new ideas and when you came up with these new ideas, the way in which you did that was pretty cool. You went to the forest, you kept minimal devices, uh, you spend time in nature, you were doing Kumba. cold plunges, right? You're doing all of these, you, you gave yourself space and time my dog's right here too. So it's cool. Um, <laughs> you gave yourself space and time and an environment to get bored and let your mind wander. And it's when mm -hmm. your mind wanders that you're creative. So my kids will often be like, I'm so bored. I'm like, good. I'm like what? It's like, that's great. And then five minutes later, they're playing with a rock or something like that. And you know, something comes up and they're, they're creative. And that's neurophysiology. So when we're, you know, on email, when we're on social, we're in the text, we're scanning the, the web, doing our work, which is fine. You got to do that stuff. Sometimes you're in full, full on beta brainwave mode, right? The brain is firing on all cylinders. It's hustle and perform mode, which I think leads to burnout. If you don't give it a break mm -hmm. where we don't spend enough time these days, I believe is in more relaxed brain states like alpha when you're, you know, reflective, or um, even theta brainwave states when you're creative and you're problem solving. So basically those brainwaves are slowing down. The relaxation is deepening. And you can sort of imagine like sitting on a beach after a couple days of vacation, staring out at the waves, you're pretty chill. You're not really trying to do anything. You're just staring out at the water. The waves are sort of crashing on the beach. You allow your mind to wander a little bit. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know, maybe I could do this thing in my life a little differently. And that's when creativity opens up or, you know, you're standing in the shower and the water's hitting your forehead and you're not particularly doing anything. You're just enjoying the water and, you know, it's rhythmically hitting you in the forehead and all of a sudden, boom, you've got this eureka moment. That's because you're getting yourself out of beta and down into alpha and theta brainwave states. So again, it's the theme of this conversation seems to like give yourself the space and time to get out of your normal routine, get out of your normal way of thinking, to open up possibilities for doing things differently and pivoting. And ultimately, I hope, create a new normal, right? Like I don't want us going back to normal. Let's, let's deliberately craft a better future. Let's reimagine the future and actually make it better. Like that's what I hope for all of us. But the key thing you mentioned, like nature, cold plunges, boredom, minimal technology. That's a state and a place where I think a lot of us could potentially spend more time that I think would be really, really good for our mental health and our mental performance and ultimately our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I had a, a couple moments of just reflecting, uh, you know, in the woods along the river. And I was like, you know, I looked at the, the Nantahala forest and I was just contemplating on the life density of that part of the world, like how many different plants and animals are packed into a small space. And then like 
personally contrasting that with, you know, when I was living in, you know, the, the, the 19th floor of a high rise in downtown Chicago and in like in the concrete jungle and the, the difference in, in life density in those two environments and like how, how much we can learn and how much also like life vibrates off of other life, you know? And I think if, if anyone that's listening to this is maybe feeling like, where do I even begin? you know, a good place to get started is, is nature, you know, get out somewhere where there's a lot of life, a lot of animals, a lot of plants and, um, you know, and, and start to just kind of observe because, you know, as, as within, so without, you know, what's going on in the world around us and in, in the living world around us, you know, we can take cues from that and, um, and, and draw inspiration from it in order to figure out what is that next step for me or what, what could be some of some next steps that I'm willing to explore and kind of, feel out through action rather than just meditative contemplation. Um, you know, okay. Where, where are we headed next? Yeah, totally. And like nature's one way of doing that. And it doesn't need to be like, you don't need to get in the car and drive out, you know, anywhere you can just go to the local park. You can go for a walk along the, the waterfront. You can go for a walk around your neighborhood and find some trees. Um, like anything will help you. And the combination of rhythmic repetitive movements, like walking plus nature, improves problem solving 300% according to some really cool research I read a few years ago. Um, so yeah, everything that you're saying is like, is, is spot on. It's, it's like exactly what I think we can all add to our lives. It would make our lives significantly better if we just took these breaks. And I like, man, there was a moment earlier on, I think it was May. It was a beautiful day here in Toronto and, um, you know, everyone was outside and walking around and the parks were full of people and everyone's like, what's going on? Like, we're still in coronavirus. You gotta be careful. Like, this is great. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, but you know what? Everyone's been cooped up inside in a 400 square foot apartment and people need to get outside into nature. So yeah, I mean, of course, physically distance, stay six feet away from people. So you don't infect them. That's obviously just logical, but we do need to give people a chance to get outside. We do need to take ourselves into these environments and walk and spend time in nature because that's where humans are best off. Like there's really cool research that shows that if you look, even look at pictures of nature, your blood pressure Mm -hmm. drops. If you look at pictures of nature that include a water scene, your research, your uh, blood pressure drops even further. Um, very cool book by Dr. Wallace Nichols from California on um, called Blue Mind, which shows the effect of water on the brain. And he highlights the, um, I think it's called the Veteran Surf Project, where veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder from, you know, fought in Afghanistan and Iraq or back in the States and struggling with mental health. And when they get these, uh, you know, these incredible people out into the waves in LA uh, and do surfing for a few hours, their, their mental health improves for hours and days afterwards. So like one therapy session is incredibly powerful. A nature therapy session, basically being like get in the waves, you know, fall down a little bit, do some exercise, you know, swimming in amongst the baby white, white sharks and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's some incredible things that can happen for us when we actually leverage this and, you know, it can be pictures, it can be artwork, it can be actually even music has the same effect. If you can't get outside and can't get into a park, listening to great music has all the same effects of, you know, as we just described as nature. So there's many different options for us here to take control and feel better and actually live a much, much better life. 
Yeah, yeah, great advice. So before we kind of pivot to rest, refocus, and recharge, um, anything else from super bodies that uh, that that you'd like to share that that you think was uh, particularly helpful? Yeah, you know what? Maybe it's just sort of like the super bodies extending into the rest of my life. But you know, that was a book just about high performance sports, and I kind of wrote it for athletes and for people training and for coaches and um, you know those sorts of things. But what's really emerged for me since then as I've learned to communicate with, you know, more than just other researchers and other scientists uh, in research papers that no one ever reads, uh, you know, as I've sort of learned to communicate, I've really discovered that we, we need to just help people understand the most powerful things are as, as, as basic as possible that they can actually fit into their life. And there was this, uh, we, the whole super body was basically designed to motivate people to get out there and exercise. But one of the things I've noticed recently that I think might be good for everyone to sort of consider is that when we move, we just feel better. And uh, what took my daughter rock climbing about a year ago, we do a lot of rock climbing and surfing and mountain bike and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I videotaped it cause she was on auto belay. So it was an indoor climbing gym. She goes up about three stories and, you know, she belays back down and, you know, she's about eight years old at this time and she gets to the bottom and she turns to me and she faces me as I'm filming. And the look on her face is just like, she is, beaming with happiness, right? Like she's just gone up three stories. She's excited. She's happy. She's proud. You can see all of that in in her face. Um, And that's just a state that I hope everyone can think about, even if it's just for a moment, like how do you feel after you go for a walk? Pretty good. How do you feel after you do some yoga? A lot better. How do you feel after you've lifted some weights? Probably a little bit less stressed. How do you feel after you've gone for a run, you know, on fire? Like there's some cold plunge, which I've been heavily into lately. Um, jumping into the lake near my house. It was like nice. very cold the other day. But anyway, so like I've, when you I've do that stuff, like docket for later this afternoon, <laughs> I'm going to do it today for sure. I'm did a hard workout yesterday. I need to get back in the, in the icy water, but, and it's addictive too, as is all of this stuff, right? Because it makes you feel so good. So if I was to say like any one thing to pick out of supervise and sort of, lean into for people is just the fact, you know, exercise, you don't want to do it when you're sitting on the couch and you're tired, right? That's the last thing you want to do is get up, put your running shoes on and get out the door and go for a run. But once you're done, oh my gosh, you feel so fantastic. You're happy. Mental health improves, physical health improves, emotional health improves. Um, you know, it's just definitely something to build into your life and build into your routine. And, you know, a little hack is like, do it for five minutes. If you still don't want to do it, then you can go home, but just start. And Mm -hmm. then after that five minutes, you're probably going to want to keep going. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. The the five minute rule, you know, I I was surprised when, once we started working with a number of high level athletes, I was surprised that they have many of these same challenges that we have. They often don't want to work out, but it's part of their job, you know, and they get it done. Like they have um, a, a very high work ethic. So, you know, they do what is required and, and that's, that's training. But many times it's like, they're just like us. They wake up in the morning. Sometimes they don't feel like it. They're a little bit banged up from the day before. You know what I mean? They'd rather do a thousand other things, but the difference is, um, sort of, you know, let's talk a little bit about the mindset of getting through those moments. Like what do, what do the elite focus on? rather than the people who, uh, skip the workouts, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, it's so, my gosh, it's such a good point. Um, I remember I was talking to Harley Pasternak, who's a, did his grad do it, uh, school work with me and he now trains celebrities in LA. So 
Lady Gaga, you know, like that, that love, they all train with, with Harley. And one day I was asking like, cause they're, you know, these people are on tour and they're, they're fit. They got to look great on stage. They've got to look great on cameras. And I was just sort of mentioned like, do they love training? He was like, most of them hate training. Like they don't mm-hmm. want to do it just exactly like you said, right? Like there, there's a thousand things they'd rather be doing than worrying about, you know, perfecting their nutrition and optimizing their body compositions that they look good on stage during their upcoming tours. Thousand. So we are not alone. And for sure, like elite athletes, you train all the time, you're tired, you're sore, you're broken down. Do you want to get back on into the gym the next day? Like, uh, you know, I I freely admit yesterday morning, I did a a run last night. I was in the gym training with, uh, you know, a friend of mine and I'm sore today. Like, I don't want to go for a bike ride this afternoon, but that's what's on the schedule. And now that we've talked about it, I'm going to do that. And actually I'll Instagram it so that we can, you can hold me accountable to that, but, and you're not alone. So, you know, quite often when I was at nationals with athletes and stuff like that, you'd be there and everyone's so excited to swim fast and they're, you know, they want to do their best and they're doing everything they can at the competition to crush it. And they're so excited. And they're like, you know what, when I get back, I'm going to train even harder. And, you know, this is the same, possibly, possibly the same athlete that four months earlier in February in Toronto, in Canada, you know, at six o'clock in the morning chose to sleep in because in the middle of winter, it's hard. You don't want to do it. Your bed is nice and warm. The pool is cold and it's snowing outside. You don't want to go. So when you're at the competition, everyone's, everyone wants to do well. When it's February and it's six o'clock in the morning, you got to get up and you got to go outside. I mean, that's what really makes the difference between people who are top 100 in the world and top 10 in the world and even top three in the world. Um, and the way that we have tried to help people make that more automatic is back to, again, what you said earlier. Um, is this that, that zone of genius and the zone zone of genius includes the people that you're with. And so you want to build systems and accountability and habits and routines to bulletproof your performance. Um, and you know, that's Robin Sharma would, would say who wrote monk who sold his Ferrari. Um, and so having those six to eight people that you love to train with that are going to hold you accountable, I think is really important. I've got a little WhatsApp group that, I'm part of, and every single time that we do a workout, we text each other. And, you know, every month we count the number of workouts that we've done, or we may count the distance that we've traveled and post it and keep track of it just to, you know, hold each other accountable. And if someone's off, you call them, you're like, Hey, what's going on? Why aren't you working out? Um, so that makes a huge difference and you just want to make it easy. So, you know, about another thing that may help people is that there's no bad weather. There's only bad clothes. So, you know, get the clothes that so you can go outside and be comfortable in the rain and the snow and the sun, like whatever it happens to be, get good clothes that so you're comfortable outside and you can exercise outdoors. Or if it, you like it, exercising indoors, no big deal, but get the yoga mat, get the kettlebell, you know, get the speakers. So the music is good and set up your living room as a workout zone, not as a, you know, crash out and flake out on the couch zone. Uh, so literally that's what we have to do. We just need to craft an environment where success is inevitable in terms of the people that you're around, um, the exercises that you can do, the gear you've got to work out. Uh, and probably even that would extend into your kitchen too, right? Like just making sure that your kitchen is, makes it easy to get good food and hard to get bad stuff. Uh, I think that would be another one, another way to do that. And ultimately the more you do that, the easier it is to have the mindset around excellence because you're surrounded by great people, you're being encouraged. You're encouraging others. Um, it's easy for you to do the work you need to do. It's fun. It's comfortable and off you go. And the more you do, the easier that it gets and momentum just carries from there. Love it. Love it. Let's, let's talk about, uh, why did you write the book rest, refocus, recharge? 
I wrote the book for a couple reasons. The first main reason was, was because when I wrote the ripple effect and I would meet people afterwards who had read it, they were like, you know what, this is just great. We love it, Greg. Yes. All the points are fantastic. I know I'm supposed to eat better, but I just don't have time. I was like, we've got to find a way to make it so easy for people to improve their health and well-being that it's inevitable that they're going to do that. So I was like, I'm going to come up with a whole series of 1% gains, like things you can do in 15 minutes or less. And in some cases in seconds. So like, you know, what could you do in just a few seconds to recover and generate one nice, deep, relaxing breath. Guess what? You just recovered and regenerated. What else can you do? Drink a glass of water. What does that do? Oh, that increases the hydration of your brain, which makes it, which by the way is 80% water. Um, what else could you do? You know what? You could go down and get some blueberries, which have all sorts of polyphenols and flavonoids, which increase blood flow to the brain. Like I just came up with as many simple ideas as I could for things people could do in very short order that would radically improve their health and well-being. What I discovered in writing all those out and sort of trying to categorize them was that they fit into sort of rapid fixes and sort of longer term fixes, right? And so the longer term fix would be to, to take an actual vacation, which is like three weeks long, like really unplug, put the, put the email on autoresponder, get somewhere where you're actually going to be able to completely recover and regenerate. Uh, and then, and then sort of categorize those all, you know, out, out there in between those two zones, which can include like 15 minutes of meditation or getting a great night's sleep or, doing a really good workout or practicing yoga or spending time with a loved one or getting into nature, like literally all of these things that we've just spoken about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just a, an exploration of ways of making your life better that can take from seconds all the way through to a few weeks to implement into your life. This episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show is brought to you by Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products, CBD standing for cannabidiol. Now, we are real excited about this partnership because Veritas means truth in Latin, and we are big believers in bringing you guys the truth, not just through this podcast, but by making sure that any products that we share or that we bring on as sponsors are products that we personally use, believe in, and endorse ourselves. And that is the case with Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. The reason that they're so great, they are full spectrum hemp products, meaning that they have all of the beneficial phytonutrients that you get in a quality CBD product. 99% of the CBD products on the market are CBD isolate, and they're just being resold, meaning they're coming from a few small manufacturers. They've only got one tiny part of all of the important phytonutrients that you need to get the benefits you want from a CBD product, and they're just a bunch of different companies reselling them. Veritas Farms is vertically integrated, meaning they own the farm. They ensure that there are no pesticides being added. It's organic, and then they control the entire process from harvesting to extraction until that product ends up at your door. That's what I love it. It's kind of like farm to table, but for CBD. And the benefits that I've noticed, my sleep is better. I feel like I get a deeper, more restful night's sleep. I'm less stressed. I never have periods of anxiety. I feel calm and focused throughout the day, and it even decreases inflammation when I have flights or other things where inflammation is 
an inevitable part of life. You take a little extra CBD and it can be very helpful for stress, anxiety, sleep, and that inflammation. So if you guys want to check it out, we've arranged a 15% discount for you guys. To get that, you can go to theveritasfarms.com forward slash biohacks. I'll spell it out. T-H-E-V-E-R-I-T-A-S-F-A-R-M-S.com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to save 15%. Check out the Veritas Farms CBD. You guys are going to absolutely love it. A lot of people listening probably recognize that they're stressed. Um, and you and I talked offline about heart rate variability. Um, what, what are some of the quantifiable metrics for like assessing your level of stress aside from just how you feel? And, uh, what are some of, you know, the ways that you use those or recommend your clients use those for, um, improving, you know, their, the, the health of their nervous system? Got it. Um, great question. Probably the number one question that I'm getting right now as I'm doing sort of like, you know, online speeches and stuff like that and coaching people is just people are so stressed right now. Anxiety levels are up. There's a whole ton of different reasons for that political climate, cultural shifts like this, you know, COVID. It's just been a crazy year. Um, financial difficulties, like you name it, it's being confined with your loved ones in a small, you know, house. Um, it's been, it's been, it's been tough. And so people's stress levels are up. And so when our stress levels are up, some really interesting things happen. We collect information through our eyes and ears that gets into your brain. Your brain interprets all of that information. Your amygdala structure inside your brain decides if it's a threat or not. If it decides that it's a threat, electricity shoots down through your spinal cord um, into your adrenal glands, which pump your body full of adrenaline and cortisol, which make you feel like you're going to run or fight. So stress is a real thing. It's real psychologically. It's real physiologically. Like we have a quantifiable effect of stress. And so the game really becomes for high performers and the biohackers is figuring out how do we leverage that? Now, stress is fine if you need to perform. Like right now, I'm slightly stressed because I'm concentrating, I'm focusing, I'm integrating what you're saying, trying to help people as much as I can. I'm, you know, speaking, you know, with as much energy as possible to try to just help people. Right. So right now stress is a good thing. When I get off this call though, and I'm trying to recover right in time for my kids to get home. So I'm chill. When my five-year-old walks in from school, that's a completely different ball game. In that case, I've got to be dissipating stress. I got to be doing the, you know, the breath work. I've got to be doing the easy walks. I've got to be doing the progressive relaxation. If I'm trying to fall asleep quickly at night, I'm trying to decrease my heart rate, decrease my body temperature, um, you know, shift out of active thinking mode into more dream like states by reading fiction. And so the better that we are at interrupting stress with things like music or exercise or meditation, the easier it is for us to return to a state where the body's going to recover and regenerate. When we're in full on fight or flight mode, the sympathetic nervous system is active, which is great for performance, but in order to recover, regenerate, like rebuild muscle tissue, uh, neurogenesis in the brain, refueling of tissues, we've got to be in parasympathetic mode, which is really chill. And the way we measure that, if you want to, anyone wants to get into this is heart rate and heart rate variability. So you can, cause your brain is connected to your heart. Your heart responds to the state of your brain and your nervous system and heart rate variability. We've used, I've used for like decades with athletes, but it's now become sort of easily available to everybody through their smart devices. Um, we've built an app recently called Vivio V I I V I O. Um, anyone wants to check it out, it's Vivio.com. 
And uh, Vivio is Latin for life, by the way, if anyone's wondering. And all you do is you just stick your finger over the camera on the back of the phone and the light, the flashlight shines, you know, the, the flashlight shines through your finger and it measures your heart rate for uh, a minute and you get your heart rate variability score. If your heart rate variability is high, basically your heart is like beat, 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 like it's all over the place. There's no specific rhythm. That means that your nervous system is relaxed and you're in a really good state for recovery and regeneration. So that's actually heart, a good thing. It's actually a good thing. It's actually reversed from the way that you might normally think about it, right? But if mm -hmm. there's low variability, if it's just like beat, 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 like it's very exact every second or whatever, um, that means that you're super stressed because there's a lot of drive from your brain down into, into your heart. And so we can actually measure that. You can quantify that. Just search heart rate variability apps. You'll find a bunch of them out there. And um, that's a way for you to quantify how you are doing to try to learn basically through biofeedback how to chill out, how to relax, how to get back into the recovery zone so you can get out there and perform again in the gym, at work, teaching with your family, like whatever it happens to be, you can crush it. But in order to truly, you know, reach your potential in any given moment, we do have to build those recovery regeneration times into our life and heart rate variability is one way to track that. Very cool. So viivio.com, that's the app. And you can actually just use the phone itself. No, no, uh, heart rate monitors, no finger monitors needed. The, the phone that's itself right. is yeah. It's also connected to Apple watch. So if you have an Apple watch, it does it through the watch, um, automatically, but yeah, you can just use, um, just use your phone and you just literally stick your finger over the camera and the, the little, the flash that you would normally use to take a photo shines through your finger and measures your heart rate. It's really, it's really crazy. It's kind of cool what you can do these days with these devices. That's, that's amazing. What, um, what are some of the other things that the app can do for, for the people that, you know, want to check it out? Yeah. I'd really appreciate it if anyone wants to check it out. Um, you know, we basically like three years ago, I was sitting in my lab, uh, looking out at, you know, people doing research and collecting all this physiologic data and heart rates and blood and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, well, this is pretty cool. But then I read an article about wearable technology. And I was like, if I don't do something related to wearable tech, I'm going to like shoot myself. Cause this is like right up my alley. Uh, then a week later, I saw this um, grant application for Movember foundation, which is, you know, promotes men's health around the world. And so I applied, got the grant, we built the app and um, here we are. And so we basically crafted an app that would pull everything that we would want to have as physiologists uh, into one app so we could track everything. So we um, built a, you know, really advanced exercise tracker. So it tracks all your workouts, heart rate, GPS, those sorts of things, accelerometry. We built a super advanced sleep tracker for Apple watch. So it, it tracks your sleep. If you have an Apple watch, um, deep sleep, REM sleep, light sleep, all that sort of stuff. Um, all again, through heart rate variability. Uh, we looked at a really cool way of tracking your nutrition to make sure that you're through, you know, getting all the things that you need in order to be healthy consistently and, and actually really identifying the things that, that, um, detract from your healthy nutrition, alcohol, baked, you know, all those sorts of things that we have from time to time. Uh, and then, and then also obviously the stress one that we just discussed. So it's like eat, sleep, move, think four core areas that all gets run through an algorithm, which we wrote that gives you tips every day for exactly what you need to do in order to get healthier. So if you want to experiment with all of that, all the tracking stuff is available for free. The tips um, are in the pro version. Uh, so yeah, if you want to check that out, we'd be honored and privileged uh, for you to uh, to do so. And like I said, the, the basic version is free and that gives you all of the, you know, the heart rate variability tracking. We just mentioned all the workouts and all that sort of stuff, even the sleep tracking. So check it out. We'd be really thrilled if you did.
Awesome. VIIVIO.com. And then we're, we're going to kind of bring this home, but let's talk a little bit about, um, and I know this is, this is some of the things that uh, are touched on in rest, refocus and recharge, but stress and the immune system yeah. and, and, and the relationship between those two. All right. Let's talk about being healthy and staying healthy. Um, you know, one of the things we discovered in sports is the J shaped relationship between training and immunity. So obviously one of the things you want to do is make sure that your athletes are healthy. They don't get sick when they go to competition. And Dr. David Pine from the Australian Institute for Sport wrote up some really cool stuff about the J-shaped relationship uh, in sports. And basically it is if you do no exercise whatsoever, you have a moderate risk for respiratory tract infections. That's like cold, flus in today's world, COVID-19. Um, if you do a moderate amount of exercise at a moderate intensity, you get sick about 75% less often. So the average North American gets about um, four colds a year. The average person who exercises consistently gets sick about once a year. So it's awesome. You get sick less often. However, if you train too much, if you train too intensely, if you don't recover enough, if you're working out too hard, uh, then your, your risk actually goes way up, even more than people who don't exercise at all. Hence the, the J-shaped uh, relationship. So the game is to train and exercise at a moderate intensity, you know, at a moderate volume, moderate frequency, moderate intensity, all those sorts of things. Obviously you can do some harder workouts just recovering afterwards to balance it all out. Now what we've discovered subsequent to that is that stress does the exact same thing. If you have no stress in your life, if you're bored, you don't care, you're not motivated, you're just sort of, there's nothing, nothing there that's challenging. You're actually at risk of getting sick mentally, physically, and emotionally. If you're challenged, if you've got a good, you know, if you're, there's things to do in your life that you're interested in, you're, you're engaged, you're trying to do things that are growth, you need, it requires you to learn new things, you're, you're experimenting, you're, you know, all those sorts of things in your immune system functions at its absolute best, you get sick less often. However, if you're too stressed, if you're too challenged, if you're too anxious, if you're too nervous, if there's too much going on, too busy, then again, your immune system sort of crashes. So I think right now, in this very interesting time, as we sort of navigate the next year, I would love for everyone to think about like, what is it that you love to do? Uh, spend time doing that. And, you know, just try to not get overwhelmed. Let's try to not get overwhelmed by the media. Let's try to not get overwhelmed by social media, like not get overwhelmed by text messaging. Let's just stay focused in on what we love to do. Um, be challenged, but not overwhelmed. And just sort of let's, let's just get through this next year together. And I think that we'll all come out the other side mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually in a much, much better place and uh, healthier at the same time. So that's my dream for everyone is, and that's the relationship between stress and immunity. And that's how I think we can leverage it to live a better life. Yeah. It's a fantastic piece of advice, like managing our own life and prioritizing our own happiness in much the same way you talk about those elite athletes, you know, like if, if happiness and doing things that you love following your bliss as, as Joseph Campbell says is your zone of genius. Um, and then tuning out the distractions, the news, the social media, the text messages, the emails, at least until that foundation is in place. And then if you want to open up some space for those other things, you can, but definitely don't, don't prioritize the things that have a tendency to pull you into, you know, the, the, the fear porn or the despair or the stress and, you know, until you've, until you've got, uh, you know, enough things that bring you joy as well. Right. It's just defend yourself from the clickbait. Everyone wants your attention. Attention is the currency of our times mm -hmm. and you can direct your attention towards the nonsense online and it's addictive. So be careful, or you can direct it towards the things that are actually going to make your life better, which is your friends, your family, your fitness, your health, 
your passions, your pursuits, right? All of those sorts of things. So defend your attention relentlessly directed towards the things that you love in your life. And honestly, things will get a lot better. Dr. Greg Wells, this has been fantastic. Where can people um, pick up your book, uh, Rest, Refocus, and Recharge on Amazon? And uh, while you're at it, if you guys feel so inspired, pick up The Ripple Effect and Super Bodies. Um, Where else can people stay up to date on things that you're working on and cool stuff that you have coming out? Yeah, right on. Thanks very much for that. Um, yeah, all the books are on Amazon. Search Dr. Greg Wells, Rest or Focus Recharge, you'll find it. Uh, my website's drgregwells.com. All my social media are at Dr. Greg Wells. I've got a podcast as well. It goes out every Tuesday on Dr. Greg Wells podcast. Some consistency there. And then the app is Vivio, V-I-I-V-I-O. And would love to connect with anyone. Just let me a note on DM on Instagram and I'll get back to you. Promise. Just mention you're listening to this show and I promise you I will get back to every single one of you. It might take me some time, but I promise you I will actually answer you. Awesome. Thank you very much, Dr. Greg Wells. This has been a pleasure. Anthony, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it and love to make this connection. I'm so happy to have been able to do this show. This episode is also brought to you by Buy Optimizers and the Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package. So if any of you guys are dealing with suboptimal digestion, characterized by gas, bloating, your stomach feeling distended or like it's sticking out after certain meals, if you get sluggish, if you deal with constipation or diarrhea, you're going to want to pay attention because it usually comes down to one of three things being off. The first is low stomach acid production. The second is low enzyme production. And the third is gut dis dysbiosis, meaning you have too many of the quote-unquote bad bugs in your gut and not enough of the good ones. And the Bioptimizers Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package addresses all of these root causes of suboptimal digestion. It's the best value you could possibly get if you are looking to take 30 days and turn your digestion completely around. And you can get that for just 177 bucks. It's usually 270 bucks by going to buyoptimizers.com forward slash biohacks. That's B I. I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to check out the exclusive Biohacking Secrets upgraded digestion package for just 177 bucks today. 